This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. If you listen to the words you're singing, he sounds like a pretty amazing God, pretty passionate. And um, I just want to remind you, God's bigger than you think he is. Some of you are like, did they just pray for healing in church? Like, yeah, we did. You know, big prayers don't intimidate God. Small prayers actually insult God. And I think it's time for some of us to start having some bigger prayers. Some big prayers. Some of you need to pray for your kids. Big prayers. Pray for your marriages. Some big prayers. Pray for our church. Pray for our city. Pray for our leaders. I also realize I'm not good at keeping secrets. You know, and I, I just like telling good news. So um, I just want to remind you, God's big. He's huge. So as you know, one of our big prayers we've started praying last year was for a building. So, you know, the venue menu is, sounds cool, but it's a, it's a pain in the blessed assurance. And, uh, and but we're like, we're praying for a venue. And tonight I want to announce that we still don't have a venue. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Surprise! No, don't have one. God is so good, you know, amen. Last week, got a call from a guy on the West Coast, a friend of Nancy and myself, and he's been in this church once, and he calls me, he says, hey, do you have any, any, any needs or problems as a church that I could help with? And I was being a little sarcastic that day. I have those moments. I said, if you got a building in Halifax, you know, between 15 and 20,000 square feet, good parking lot. Um, laying around and I lie he goes well maybe no but we could help something and him and his wife called us the next day and they said uh, I don't know if this is a compliment I think it was he's like you guys are like the bitcoin of churches I was like okay he's like best kept secret I'm like okay he's like so we're going to be sending $10,000 towards your building and I was like thank you Jesus yeah if you didn't clap for that it's because you've never set up and tore down <laughs> Uh, but God's bigger than you think he is. And can I just encourage you, ask some big prayers. Some of you, it's for relationships. Some of you, it's for healing. Some of you, it's something totally different. But don't be afraid to ask God. He's good. He's chasing after you. He's running after you. He's kicking down walls. He's crossing distances. He's pushing past hurts because he's madly in love with you. If you don't know that, you now you do. He's a good God and he loves you so much. Amen? Look at the person next to you and tell them that you love them. If they're single, that's awkward. Okay, have a seat. I'm so glad you're here tonight. Again, I want to thank, uh, our on- I want to say hi to our online church, which is viewing this on Sunday morning. We filmed this on Friday night, but Sunday morning, we're glad that you are joining us. We're glad you're here. And as always, recently, if you're in the chat, say hi, say something, where you're from, what the weather's like, what you're excited about. If you want to amen the preaching or, or something, we will just, uh, we want to pick a couple people and just bless them with a couple books because we think um, leaders are readers and we want to bless you. I also want to give away a couple books tonight for those Friday night people that are full of pizza and Jesus. Come on. And uh, two books. First book. Now, there, I met two girls, a couple... Okay. They, cor- they, they cornered me last week and said, we want those books. I was like, but you didn't stand up and wave. And they said, oh, well, I said, next time I give away books, I need you to be up front. Awesome. And here you are. So, all right. <laughs> Go 
So this first one is the, which one of you is the most, like, you have a hard time, like, who, who's addicted to their phone the most? Oh, come here, come here. This one's for you, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This book helped me. It's one of those books where I went ouch more than I went amen. And I identified some things in my life where I needed some, some borders and some margins. And when I created space, God rushed in. I felt like I had a mini revival a year ago. This book was a catalyst for that, so enjoy that. Thank you so much. Yeah. We're doing a series right now, and um, I always forget the name of the series. It's Unwrapped Living. It's called The Welcome Series. It's amazing. No, Unwrapped Living. Um, but we based on this book, fantastic book, about um, character, but also the presence of God. And when the gifts of God are moving in churches, how it can literally change a city. And, and it's an amazing book. And I want to give this to you and enjoy that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for this night. Thank you for this service. Father, thank you for those that are watching online right now and those that are here in person. Thank you for the kids. So good to hear kids in our services. Father, I just thank you for these parents for... Um, pushing through and just figuring this out. And Father, I just want to bless families tonight. Father, and thank you for your presence and your goodness. Father, we pray we'd hear from you these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. again, Easter's going to be next level. We've asked, we're going to sing a lot of hymns. Is that all right? We don't sing a lot of hymns. We're going to sing a lot of hymns on Easter Sunday, but we're going to do it Nova style. So it's going to be awesome. And uh, production is going next level and we're going to fill this place. And I'm excited about Easter. So please join us for Easter. It's going to be so good. And then I said it already, but next Friday night, we're back here. Bring someone with you. And we're going to do, do it again next Friday night. It's going to be amazing. We'd love to see you. You'll see on the screen behind me, if you haven't done it yet, is we're saying we would love you to do a gift test. We don't get these tests. They're just anonymous. They're you. Uh, we're not involved with this website. It's just a great gift test. But if you want to text that word gifts with an S, gifts to that number, or you can find it on our social media or in an email that we sent you as a church. Just, it's amazing to do an assessment of some possible gifts that God has given you. Because we believe if God is in it, we want it. The Bible says that he's given us spiritual gifts. I like gifts. Pastor Matt talked last week so well about the coffee nerd that he is. Come on. He is caffeinated. And uh, he didn't have coffee tonight, but you could not tell because he was full of God tonight. But, um, but we love gifts. But there's gifts from God that will literally change your life help you with your purpose and the plan God has for you. And we want to unpack that because we believe that the Spirit of God is moving and that God the Father had the plan. God the Son, Jesus, was the plan. We're going to celebrate that on Easter. But God the Holy Spirit helps us follow the plan. It is, it is impossible to live like Jesus without the same power Jesus had. I don't know if you found that yet. You can, go, you can go through some willpower for a while, some hype. Some of you come to church, like, this is the best thing ever. Man, people are so friendly. I love coming to church. I love the music. I love the preaching. That'll last about three weeks. And the hype and the willpower will fade, and all of a sudden, you'll find yourself doing the same things. You need more than willpower. You need more than some Instagram coach that is giving you quotes every day. You need something from heaven. If Jesus needed power from heaven to live his way, and if he told us to live like him, we need to live the same way. We need the same power that he had. And the Holy Spirit gives us power. And tonight, the title of tonight's message is Power Gifts, Part 1. Power gift. This is the first we're going to do it again next week because there's so many. We talked about, um, we talked about the uh, love gifts. We talked about last week the word gifts. And we're talking about the power gifts. When I hear, see the word power, am I the only one that thinks of the song, I Got the Power? That 1990 song? Anybody else? 
It's played at every hockey game ever since, no matter what level. I, I, I want to sing it, but I, I don't have a great voice. I, I have this voice. It's, I sing a mixture of country and rap. It's called crap. No, okay. That's not funny. Don't do that, Mike. Okay, come on. It's Friday night. Anything can happen. There's children in the room. That's right. Okay. Welcome to church. Uh, let me ask you this. What impresses you? What impresses you? It's funny how it changes the older I get what impresses me. Certain possessions impressed me when I was younger, maybe certain status. You know what impresses me now? People that are multilingual, bilingual, trilingual, impresses me, impresses me. Run into people in the lobby all the time, met a couple, a family from Egypt a few weeks ago, and they moved here and for, for work, and they, they moved, and they have a family here, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm going through the concept of going to a new country with a language that is not their native language, and it, it's so impressive to navigate medical systems and work and culture and family and friends, and, and I said, and you, you listen to me preach, like, like, I'm hard to understand if you speak English as your first language. I speak fast sometimes. I slur my speech. I was like, I can't even imagine how hard that is for people that maybe English wasn't their, their native language. And people with languages impress me. I remember being in Mexico years ago, leading a team to work with uh, local churches in a place called Zacatecas, right in the heart of Mexico. And we had flown into uh, a city on the, on the coast called Puerto Vallarta, and it was, a, I believe, an eight or nine hour bus ride to get to where we were going. And we we're supposed to meet another church who were gonna come with us, and the translators were on that team, and that team decided to pull out of the trip at the last minute. So it was just me and nine others as we landed in Mexico, and we had to take this bus trip overnight to get to Zacatecas. It's fun to say, isn't it? Zacatecas, Mexico. And uh, I remember in that moment realizing none of us spoke Spanish. And I had to figure out bus tickets and navigation and meals to get a team to where we were going, where we would have translators and help. And I felt very ill-prepared. I remember going up to the bus terminal and I'm thinking, I got to get eight tickets for a nine-hour bus ride. And I'm thinking, all I know about Spanish is Dora the Explorer. That's all I knew. I'm like, I want, I'm like, how do I say I want to go over the mountain, down the river, you know? Swipe or no swiping. That's all I knew. I walk up, and I remember trying to figure this out. And I'm like, I, I'm looking at this poor woman. She's looking at me. She's trying. I'm like, I need, I need ocho, bilites, bilites, uh, the autobuses, autobuses. Zacatecas. And I was like, Ocho, Billete Autobuses, Zacatecas. And she just, she says something to me over and over. And then I didn't know. I just handed her $1,000. I'm like, this year. <laughs> Apparently, she was trying to tell me, yes, you just can't pay yet because the bus isn't ready. She understood me fine. I had no idea what she was. I just gave her money. She could have took that money. The tickets were like 100 bucks total. I just, gave, I just kept throwing her money. What else do you want, right? Swipe or no swiping. What else do you want? I remember going back to our group, telling the story. I was a little frustrated, a little embarrassed, trying to figure out what's happening. This girl on our team named Kelly goes, oh, Pastor Mike, I speak Spanish. <laughs> I'm like, right, that would have been helpful about 30 minutes ago, Kelly. And uh, she goes, no, I've been taking Spanish for a year and a half. I'm like, Kelly, this is information I could have used. I was thinking about that in this series, that sometimes there are people in this church, in your life, in you and me, that we have gifts that God has given us. Not talents, not skills, not things we've learned, but God has imparted to us spiritual giftings that actually the body of Christ is missing out on if we don't identify them or use them. There are people doing things that are frustrating, that are more difficult than they need to be if we would understand who God's called us to be, how he's equipped us, our role, and to walk into that 
to be used by the kingdom of God. And I believe a part of this series is to help us get through that. We've been given spiritual gifts to be used as a part of the plan of God. And God has gifted each one of us to be useful as a part of his plan. See, everybody's talking these days about fuels, right? They're talking about types of fuel. They're talking about vehicles. They're talking about the price of gas. We recently bought a hybrid and we look like geniuses right now. And people are like, there's electric cars and there's hybrid and there's fossil fuels and there's, uh, there's hydro and there's all these different types of fuel. And they're talking about which ones are better for the environment and how expensive it is. And you shouldn't buy from Russia right now. And there's all this talk about fuel. I want to remind you tonight that purpose is a fuel that pleasure can't compete with. Some of you need to change your fuel. Some of you are, are running on pleasure. It's about, does it make me feel happy? Some of you even go to the churches because you're thinking, I like the music, I like the preaching, I feel comfortable, it gives me pleasure. Listen, purpose is a cleaner fuel. Purpose will fuel you the way pleasure cannot. Calling is a greater God than comfort. God's calling is our God. Comfort is based on ourselves. And I've learned this, I make a horrible God. Because when I lead my life, I lead me into trouble and into sin and into regret and into pain. But when I follow the calling of God and his plan for my life, it is a pure fuel. It is better for the environment around me. Everyone gets better when I let God lead me. Calling is greater than comfort. I believe God is greater than we leading ourselves. You need to know that purpose is a better fuel than pleasure. And some of us are living their lives based on when can I get a break and I need to relax and this is more comfortable for me and I feel more at home here and this makes me feel uh, uh, more, more appreciated. And I want to tell you that purpose will fill you and fuel you in a way pleasure never will. We have a generation chasing pleasure and we wonder why they're not satisfied. We wonder why there's not good gas mileage where they can't go as long on it. Like, man, I just filled up, man. I just had a day off. I just went and did my own thing. I was with that person doing that thing. And why do I feel empty already? Why? Because you can't go far on pleasure. But purpose will fuel you. It'll tuck you in and wake you up like nothing else. When you know that God has a plan for your life, it'll fuel you. And that's why we do what we do, because we feel the pleasure of God when we're in his purposes. This, this series is based on this book, which I just gave away, um, Convergence. And we talked about the love gifts. And we talked about the word gifts. And tonight we're starting for the next few weeks on the power gifts. The power gifts demonstrate the power, presence, and the reality of God. Power gifts are the evidence of God's power. And uh, we're, we're, we're in a season of a church, and I believe we're leaning in on it with prayer and we're leaning in it in worship, you need to know that we're not just here for religion. And you don't need stained glass windows and cathedrals to call it religion. Religion is doing the same thing over and over, focused on the how and forgetting the why and the who. And so many people are religious with their church attendance, but they have walked away from the, from the, the why and the who. And we are passionate about God, and God is powerful. Power gifts are the evidence of God's power in the moment to prove and demonstrate that God is actually alive and active among us. We believe God is alive and active. He speaks and he works and he moves. These gifts, the power gifts, we're going to talk about a few tonight. They include tongues, interpretation of tongues, intercession, faith, discernment, healing, works of power, and words of wisdom. Some of you now are like, you're excited, you're like, finally! Finally, we're talking about this stuff. Others of you are like, oh no, it's about to get weird. Depending on your church background. And some of you have had very little church background and you have no experience, you have no opinion, and you have no idea what to think. And that's amazing. 
We are simply, as a church, and I think we've modeled this well in the last five years, is we're simply going to unpack the Bible as Jesus followers, because that's who we are, as thousands have done, for, as millions have done for thousands of years before us, and we're going to let the scriptures lead us. And all I would ask tonight, no matter what your background, is to lay down some of your past experiences and opinions, and let's just follow God's word and see what he says. And I believe God will help us, and I believe it'll be a, a, a beautiful, beautiful moment. And remember, we're having this conversation because we need a church that is more than just surviving. We need a church that is thriving. And we're not just going through this. If the last two years have taught me anything, is that we're not called just to survive. We should not have survived as a church. We're, we're, we're too unpredictable, we're too new, we're too unstable, but God has a plan. And we're not only surviving, we're thriving. But I believe God, through his power, wants to take us to another level to help us and use us to reach our city, our families, uh, and our neighbors. Can someone say amen? amen? We want to demonstrate what a life of following Jesus should look like. And I am so far from being a Jesus follower sometimes. I need more of God's presence in my life. I want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And I know some people with, in the room are with me tonight. The power gifts. The first one I want to talk about is prophecy. Prophecy. Some of you knew that was coming. That was a prophetic joke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Let me read this verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Some of you are like, I thought this was a nonprofit in the church. Uh, it is, but we're going to talk, that's an, again, another joke. Um, you can watch that again Sunday and then comment how amazing that was. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Gave to the church. I think we're a church. We're the church together. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Talking about prophets. And it says this in Romans 12, verses 6 to 8. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. Different gifts. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as he has given you. He's given some the ability to prophesy. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If you, Pastor Matt talks so well about teachers, how sometimes even in coffee shops, he can learn more from a teacher over coffee than sometimes he could get from a sermon on a stage. Why? Because a teaching gift teaches well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it. Gladly. Let me define prophecy. Prophecy defined. The gift of prophecy is exercised when someone has the capacity to deliver truth in a predictive nature or situational word of God, which means you can talk about things that are coming or something someone is going through in the moment. That's a prophecy gift. I have had moments in my life where I have walked in this gift. I think about often about Amber in Chicago. I was doing a youth conference and there was a, a girl at the back of the room who I did not know named Amber. And as I'm getting ready to preach, um, I was drawn to that um, young lady, that young adult. And I felt like God had a word for her and I couldn't shake it. And uh, I'm committed to growing in what God wants to do in my life. And I'm far from perfect, but I do know this, I'm hungry for God. And I said, okay, I'm far from home. No one knows me except for the pastor and his wife. And if this doesn't work, I can just get on a plane and go home. Come on, sometimes that's a better place to be. So I said, uh, girl in the back, um, you have a Michigan shirt on. I called her. I said, do you, would you mind? Is this okay? And I knew the pastor really well. Yeah, that's fine. And I just had this word for her. And I said, I see you doing this type of job with, this, with students at this age group. And then God gave me a word about her heart, how it was in turmoil. It was a, just a word about God wants to heal her heart from some disappointments. And 
The whole place gasped. And later on, they told me that she just graduated from the University of Michigan. She's a teacher for the exact grades that you mentioned. She's got a job with those age group and she just got out of a relationship and she's dealing with it. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And sometimes the gift of prophecy can get you a word from God, but it's a, it's a sign that it's from God because it's not just uh, a word of encouragement. It actually has knowledge that someone shouldn't know. Sometimes though, if you have the prophetic gift, you get it wrong. And that's why you get it always tested against scripture and with the other gifts, gifts of leadership and discernment. And you have to use it with humility. There's been other times where I had a word I thought for somebody. And then later on, I talked to them and said, did you resonate with any of that? They're like, no, none of that seemed to hit. None of that. I was like, okay, I, I might've missed it. And that's why Paul wrote in second, in first Thessalonians chapter five, verse 20, look what he says here. He says, do not scoff at prophecies. There was a time in my life where I scoffed at prophecies. Another version says, despise it. Because for me, sometimes the guest speaker always had a word for the pastor's son. I'm like, duh, it's the pastor's son. He's on the front row. You're going to be a great man. You're going to take out after your father. I'm like, talk about the guy in the back. Talk about the usher's kid. Talk about the plumber's kid. And I used to despise prophecy until God slapped me one day and people started helping me and God started using people to speak into my life and direct me. It says, do not scoff. Uh, prophecies, watch this, but test everything that is said, test it and hold on to what is good. And sometimes there's stuff that's just, in my case, Mike, it's not God. It's like, well, that was God and that was add-on, that was Mike, that was filler. You know, that, that, that was just stuff that you probably shouldn't put in there. It was, just, it was just emotional. You were too caught up in the moment. That's why you test everything through your local leadership in your church. That's why I don't believe you can be a part of just an online community that you don't have any connection to. You need to have relationship. You need to test it. And there's other gifts we'll get into, discernment and leadership gifts, and test everything against Scripture. Never forget my pastor growing up, he had a, uh, a man come to his office and said, hey, I was at a meeting and this prophet told me I'm supposed to sell everything and go to Africa and be a missionary. And he said, oh, amazing. He said, make sure you buy two tickets. The guy goes, well, I'm not married. I'm just going to go by myself. Why do, why do I need two tickets? He said, make sure you take that prophet with you. Otherwise, you'll never know when it's time to come home. <laughs> you need to test things and make sure. And that's why we test Prophecy. When functioning, prophecy, it's truth delivered with divine awareness. It's beautiful and it's helpful. It's never condemning. It's always helpful. Gift of prophecy. Some of you may have that gifting where you want to walk in that, where you think, I, I shouldn't know. Why do I know that? And you want to help people and it encourages people and it lifts people up and it, it warns people and it also leads people and you can walk in that gift. And when it's done beautifully and with humility, it is a gift to the church prepares things. I am in places now that people told me about years ago and gave me, prepared my heart, prepared me for these days. I was prepared years before because men and women of God who worked in these gifts would give me truth here and there that prepared me for these days. I'm so thankful for this gift in the church. Another one of the power gifts is tongues. Um, the gift of tongues is the gift allows one to speak, worship, or pray in a language unknown to the speaker. The interpretation of tongues is the ability to spontaneously re respond to the giving of an authoritative message in tongues by interpreting this word and clearly communicating the message again. And this gift has caused so much controversy. If you don't think it has, you're new to church. This one, it's fun. this is the one. This is the one that causes, when we were starting this church, people said, uh, I, I like the social media, I've met the pastors. I saw on the website, you're Pentecostal. I cannot go to a Pentecostal church. It's weird. I'm like, okay, right, okay. And what they're saying is, where do you stand on this? 
It's never about uh, the Trinity. It's never about the cross. It's never about grace. It's never about forgiveness. It's never about prophecy. It's never about teaching gifts. It's never about mercy. It's never about words of wisdom. This is always the one. Tongues. I want to read, the first time we see the gift of tongues present is in Acts. I want to read it tonight. Acts chapter 2. And it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's the very first time it's mentioned. It's at the birth of the church. The birth of the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Let me read a few verses here. It says this. On the day of Pentecost, it says all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. We in Halifax understand what that sounds like. I've lost more shingles than I can this season. And uh, I told someone I have a bad case of the shingles and they didn't get it. Um, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. At this time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem all over the world. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running because it sounded like an explosion, this wind. And they were bewildered when they got there to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers from all, every corner of the then known world. They were hearing their own languages. It says, verse seven, they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, which is what we like the sackful of today. I'm from Sackville, so I can say that. Like, these are just average people. They, they shouldn't know these languages. And yet we hear them speaking our own native languages. And here we are, and it goes through all these different countries. And it says, um, in verse 11, it says, um, we're all visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, uh, Christians and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed Oh, that people would come into our services and be amazed and perplexed. Not at the lights, not at the fashion, not at the coffee, but at the presence of God. And say, what can this mean? They asked each other. We see that in Acts is the first time. What's happening here, this is actually the reverse of the Tower of Babel that we see in Genesis. In Genesis, it says that they were unified, people far from God. They were rebelling against God. It says they were one heart, one mind, and one speech. And, it's, and God is having a conversation in heaven. The Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son are having a conversation. And it said, let us go down and disrupt this because unity is a powerful thing. Listen to me, unity is not just a Christian thing. When you're unified, you can build great stadiums, great cathedrals. You can do great harm and you can do great help when you're unified. When people are unified, you can bring great devastation. Unity is a powerful force. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit said, we have to disrupt them. And what did they do? They came down and they, if you read in Genesis, and they, that's where languages were birthed. That's where we get the term that someone's babbling on. You can't understand it. In that moment, God gave different languages and the people that were working together, building this tower, building their own kingdom, building their own city, now could no longer work together because they couldn't understand each other. What's happening here in Acts is the complete opposite. God says, okay, I want to build a bridge where people know that Jesus has been born, he died and rose, and we're going to bring people back together around the cross, around the good news of Jesus, and we need to make sure there are no barriers in the way. And that moment, he got rid of the language barrier and they were flowing in the spirit, speaking languages they never learned in school, they didn't know from birth, and they were proclaiming the goodness of God. And because of that, and an anointed teaching gift and preaching, 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Why? Because it, it, was, it was proof that God is alive, he is able, and he is speaking, and they heard it in their own language. If you've been exposed to church for any length of time, 
uh, you've likely encountered two different teachings on the subject of tongues. One view takes the view that all and any Christian, um, all and any Christian, if they ask, can have the gift of tongues. It's available for everybody, and if you want, you can have it. You can. It's, it, it's, it's, it's available. The other teaching is this, is that all true Christians must speak in tongues because it's required first sign to you and others that Jesus moved into your life. One is, it's possible, it's available, it, it can, you can speak with tongues. The other one is, you're not a Christian unless you speak in tongues. The second view is not rooted in a whole counsel of God. And it's wrong. It's wrong. This teaching has hurt so many people. It's divided people in churches. And it's actually causing people to even doubt their salvation or felt like second-class Christians because they didn't have this one gift. I want to let you know, no one has all the gifts. Right. Pastor Matt has the teaching gift. If you were here last week, I do not have the gift like he has that gift. Pastor Matt is a teacher. Not everybody has all the gifts. And even though there was real evidence of God in their lives in other areas, they started doubting that they even had God and experience because they never had this gift. And some tried even so hard to make this gift a reality in their lives, they even faked. And I've been around moments like this. People faked speaking in tongues. And that has to stop. Has to. Jesus didn't say this. This is what Jesus did not say. You won't find this on the screen because it's not in the Bible. He didn't say, by this all men will know that you are my disciples because you speak in tongues. His standard was a lot higher and a lot more costly. Let me tell you what he did say in John chapter 13, verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love. How do you know if someone's a Christian? Go look at their Facebook page. Did we just go there? We did. Don't put your malice on Facebook and then come in here and act holy on Friday night or Sunday morning. Get on your knees and repent. Because the Bible says, if you're my disciples, you're love for one another. Doesn't mean you agree with everybody. You can love and disagree. I disagree with a lot of things I see. But love is the only true sign that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not one, two, three, or four gifts. Wow. It's not the only, it's the only way is the love. So let's go back to the, the crucial passage. This is good, by the way. This is so good. Amen. If you're not going to amen, I'm going to amen myself. Pastor Mike. <laughs> I have the gift of encouragement right now, Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike, I like your new jacket. Thank you. I like your face. That's my wife saying that. You can like my face. I like your face, like your hair, like your life. Let's go back to the crucial passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Here we get great insight into this gift, as well as the directions in the right and wrong uses of it. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says it this way. Follow the way of love. I had that underlined the way of love, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Notice how up front he starts with character urging the way of love. Notice that. This is right after the love chapter in Corinthians 13. He starts with character, not giftings. Notice that. Follow the way of love. Gifts are amazing and God-given, but without ever-growing character, they will be misused or we will be uh, discredited even though God is at work in us. And we all know the stories both privately and publicly, of men and women of God who God worked through them, but because of their lack of character, they were misused and discredited. And people go, well, then God wasn't using them. No, God used them because the gifts were real. But character is so important. He starts here saying, no, no, let's start with character. Love, the way of love leads the way. Then it says in verse, it says this in verse two. It says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. 
Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So there's four things that we learn from that verse, talking about the gift of tongues, and there's other gifts we're going to get into tonight. But I want to park here for a moment, because this has been a divisive one for many churches, and uh, it's not for us. It's a gift of the Spirit. We learn four things about the gifts of tongues from this verse. Tongues involves a person speaking to God by the Holy Spirit, not to fellow Christians. When you speak in tongue, it's not, to, it's not to fellow Christians. It's not a sign of a badge. Let me show you what it's speaking to God. That's one thing that verse teaches us. Second thing it teaches us, that, it's a, it, that it is mysterious in the sense that it is outside of our understanding. Neither the speaker or the hearer knows what's being said. Third, it edifies the speaker. Another word for that is uplift or it builds. It is about a person being built up in private praise, thanksgiving, or prayer. In my life, when I walk in the gift of tongues, it's not on a stage in front of people. It's usually in private. And I'll tell you this, even today, I was feeling anxious about tonight. I don't know why. We got the best church ever. But anxiety doesn't make sense. I had some chest pain. I'm walking around in our basement, and I just start praying. And I felt myself... I wasn't praying for you. I wasn't on a podcast. I wasn't live streaming it. I was praying to God and I felt myself get built up. And I'm so thankful for that. Number four, tongues can, but doesn't need to be a known human language. First Corinthians 13, one makes reference to the tongues of men and of angels, which means languages that are known and languages that are unknown. Here's a summary of the gift of tongues. Tongues can be known or an unknown language given to some, but not all Christians. It's available for some, but not all. The gift can be used to reach people far from God when it is a known language. And I've heard stories of friends that I know that have actually spoken one guy on a plane to someone in another language. They understood it, and he, he was praising God in this language. I, I, I know of those moments, and it can be a sign for people far from God of the power of God. Tongues can be used privately to worship God by singing in tongues, to pray for others, to be thankful, to lift up your own spirit. This gift can be used in larger gatherings to bring a spontaneous message from God, if there is someone present who can interpret it, and if there isn't someone who can interpret it, then the person must stop speaking in tongues. This gift can mean great joy and allows you to cry out to God over others when words do not come. And sometimes when I'm in prayer, I don't know how to pray. Have you ever been there yet? I don't know how else to pray. Someone's going through something. I was praying for one of our team this week. They're going through something. And I'm like, I don't know what else to pray. I don't know. And you feel like this, this, this angst. Have you felt that? that? This great burden and you don't... And sometimes it allows you to pray where words fail. And sometimes we just don't have the words to match the depth of what is needed in that moment. And some of you have been given the gift of tongues. Power gift, faith. We're going to close with this one. Faith, the gift of faith. Again, I hear a song from the 80s by George Michael. Faith, faith. Where are my old people at in the room? Okay. Uh, Where are my 40-year-olds, 45-year-olds? Keep the faith. We are all called to have faith. Wait a minute, Pastor Mike, I thought we were all supposed to have faith. We're Christians. We have faith. Yeah, we're all called to have faith. Our very relationship in Christ is based on faith, but the spiritual gift of faith falls into its own category of power on its own. Definition of the gift of faith is the ability that God gives certain members of the body of Christ to discern with extraordinary confidence the will, of, the will and purpose of God and his work. This person with this gift recognizes it and know God is going to do it. When person with this gift are confident, you cannot shake them. They're like a hungry man on a Christmas ham. They're like a dog with a bone. When, if they believe God is in it, you cannot shake them. It doesn't matter what they see, what they hear. If God is in it, they are about it. They know what it is, and they can wait and believe that God is going to do it. When the church is considering an action, those are the gift of faith. 
I'm so thankful we have people to get the faith in our church when we make big decisions. They often become the tipping point for this decision, making the process of if God, with God, we can do this. And there are men and women in our lives with the gift of faith. And when they come alongside, my mother is one of those people. She's like, Michael, God is in this. And when you hear from her, it's not my mother. That's like, I, I believe, I believe that I can feel the faith. There are people in this room that you have the gift of faith and you're like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. God will get us through this. When COVID hit, we had no online service. We had no office. We had nothing. You're like, nope, God's going to help us. And look what God has done. The gift of faith, the gift of faith. When skepticism and doubt is running rampant, and if there's ever a day where skepticism and doubt is running rampant, it's today in our culture. People with the gift of faith say, no, no, no. I know God is about to do this. And they breathe life into intercession, preaching. They invi- and with vision. And we need people with this gift to exercise it and verbalize it. Some of you, it's like you just know that you know that you know God's going to show up. God's going to come through. Gift of faith. You just know it. We need you to exercise it and we need you to verbalize it. Why? Because when you walk in that gifting, it brings up the courage of those around you. It encourages. I'm around some people that have that gift and I'm like, I'm not feeling it. And they lift me up. When I was younger, I ran a service on... Um, Dalhousie campus for university students. We called it University Church. And every fall, there's 30,000 or so students that come back into Halifax for school. And I got tired of the statistics of people saying, young people don't want God. When they leave high school, they go to college, 85%, 90% walk away from the church. And I was tired of hearing that statistic. I'm like, someone can read it or someone can do something about it. I'm like, let's do something about it. I like a good fight once in a while. I'm like, no, no, let, 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 let's, let's kick at this thing and let's see what we can do. And we started a service and God was faithful. And we had uh, 200, 300 young adults and some of them are in this room. Um, some even got saved through that ministry. Uh, I think of one couple here that she came and drug her boyfriend to Nova because of that service. And they have a baby and they're here tonight because of that service on campus. And I forget, every fall, we would have a hard time getting a venue. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We would never get a room on campus because of rules and regulations and you, you had to become a society or part of the society. And one year, we had big faith for the year. This is going to be the year. We rented the biggest nightclub in the city. We rented the dome, the dirty dome. Uh, it was CTV and Steve Murphy recorded. It was amazing. People got saved. But this was the year. It's going to be a big year. And the opening night at Dalhousie University, September, I think it was 17th or 19th, we could not get a room at the university. Here's the problem. I had so much faith we were going to have that room in the early days that I put 50,000 advertisements in the newspaper. Put up 500 posters. Put up glow signs everywhere. Meet at this room at this time. Shiloh University Church is back. And I was so excited. And then week after week, they said, no, you don't have a room. We can't get your room. There's no room. There's no room. There's no room in the inn. Nope, nope, nope. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. I got faith. And then my faith started to wane. Now it's August, now it's middle of August, now it's late August, and the paper people are getting excited. And I'm like, we don't have a room yet for this service. And they're saying they're not getting back to us and no one's returning our calls. And one of our team, even here tonight, was dropping by with donuts to the office going, hey, just don't forget about us. You know, we're trying to, if, when faith failed, bribery started. We're like, here's some donuts. Here's some donuts, right? Like, we're like, don't forget about us. And, and I remember my faith started to wane. It was the day of, I cannot make this up. It was Friday morning and I'm like, I don't know what to do because we cannot show up to this room with all this gear and all these students coming. We don't have a room yet. And they're like, they could give us another room. And sometimes we had to go to other campuses like St. Mary's or other places. And I didn't know what to do. 
And I'm on my knees in my office and I wasn't praying, I was more complaining. Have you ever been there? And it's like, God, I don't know. Come on, God, let me put it in the paper. Like, come on. And this woman named Grace in our church had a gift of faith. It seemed like Grace was always old. She was, as long as I knew her, she was an old lady. <laughs> I knew her for 40 years. And I never forget, she called me. That's back when we used to call people. And she called me on my office phone. She said, Pastor Mike, we sent it to the prayer team. Pray, we don't have a venue. We've done donuts and nothing's worked. You know, Boston Creams, who would have thought? Nothing. And uh, she called me Friday morning at 10 a.m. She said, Pastor Mike, we just met in prayer. And I feel very confident you're gonna have your room tonight. You'll have your venue. I felt it lift, I felt it change. You will have it. Have an amazing night. And she hung up. And I felt something shift in my spirit. Two hours later, I get a call. Hey, I just heard from the school. We have our room tonight. We're good to go. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. We're loading in in two hours. The gift of faith. Listen, God's given us gifts as a church, given you gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, the same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing, faith. What's the gift of faith? It's, it can be translated informed trust, which means it is trust in a person who has proven himself and that his written word and leading are trustworthy. The gift of faith, when you have the gift of faith, you're like, God said it, I believe it, that's it. God said it, it's done. The gift of faith. We're all to have faith in God, but the gift of faith is something more. It's an unwavering confidence that God will do it regardless of seemingly impossible obstacles. And some of you, we need you in our lives. Some people are going through some things with their homes and their family and their health. And we don't need pity. And we're thankful for the gifts of mercy. But sometimes we need someone to call and go, you just need to know, I'm not trying to blow, uh, blow, blow smoke. I'm not trying to hype you up, but I feel it in my spirit. God's gonna see you through this. The gift of faith lifts the spirits of the church. This spiritual gift is of faith is key to any local church. They're God-inspired visionaries who have it. I could tell you more stories tonight. I remember being in Ontario, I've shared this many times, a week before we launched and my faith was wavering. We didn't have any gear. I didn't know if it was gonna work. We had no money. We had, I didn't know what we had for people. And this pastor invited me to speak, didn't even know me, he had me come in. And driving me back and forth from the hotel to the conference, his faith was stirred and he got so excited about what God was gonna do. He said, Nova Church will be the best thing on the East Coast. And I'm like, I don't know if I believe it. But his gift of faith lifted us, lifted our church and moved his church to support us, Pastor Rick in, in London, Ontario. The gift of faith changes things. Here's some signs you might have this gift before we pray tonight. Gift of faith. We need the gift of faith moving in our church, in your families, in your offices, in your schools. If God said it, he'll see it through. You have an unusual desire to accept God's promises at face value and apply them to a given situation until God fulfills them. You're just, nope. God's gonna do it. You can receive a vision for some future work of God and deeply trusting God for it until it comes to pass. We've already seen that people with the building. You're gonna have a building, it's gonna be amazing. And their faith, I'm like, I don't even know if I even have that yet. I'm working up to it slowly. That's why I'm telling you guys about it. I'm trying to get my faith built up. But people are like, no, I believe it. They hear a vision and they're behind it. When you hear God given vision, it resonates with you and it stirs you and fires you up. Some of you can't wait to talk about what God's gonna do next. When you hear vision, you get fired up. 
I got a couple in this room tonight. When you hear vision, you just get fired up. Like, what can we do? Let's go. Let's go. I'm like, whoa. I'm just, I don't, I, you just get fired up. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse one and three in the message version. We're going to close with this. It says, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it because it does. Give yourselves to the gift, to the gifts God gives you. Let me read that again. Go after a life of love as if your life depends on it. It does. Church, we never need to love more in our city. Give yourselves to the gifts that God gives you. God has blessed you with gifts. Every man, woman, and child in this room. Most of all, try to proclaim his truth. Church, I believe we're not just coming here to do services and have kids ministry and next steps and worship and sermons. We believe God has given us a plan for your life and your life and your life and my life. And together, when we partner together, you bring what God's given you, your giftings. You bring your giftings. I'll bring my giftings. Together, there's a beautiful unity that happens where God moves through his church and every city, every home, every relationship, every coffee shop is better when we understand that God has called us to partner with him. All over this place, come on, let's stand to our feet as we get ready to close. I want you to hear this in your mind. If God's in it, we want it. Simple as that. If God is in it, we want it. Some of you need to go home and you need to read the scriptures for yourself. I'm at the point in my life, I'm like, if God's in it, I want it. If God's not in it, I don't have the time or the energy for it. But if God's in it, I want it. All over this place, I want to just bless you with God's spirit tonight. We're going to sing a song as we close tonight. If you're comfortable tonight, would you just lift both hands as a sign of receiving tonight? Just receiving tonight. I believe God has gifts, more gifts on my life he wants to give me to help me with my assignment, to encourage my kids, to encourage my marriage, to encourage myself, to encourage our city. He has gifts for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for tonight. God, you said desire spiritual gifts. So God, we say tonight, if you're in it, we want it. If you're in it, we want it. God, we need more love. We need more peace. We need more strength. We need more power. We need to see that you're active and engaged in our journey and our story. God, we're asking tonight, would you show us the gifts that you've given us? Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh as a church, as people? Would you fill us new? And may we see your power work in our lives. And everybody that agrees said, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's sing this together tonight as we close.